Welcome to Kishwaukee Bible Church. Well, good morning. Thank you, Matt, worship team. Just a disclaimer, if you see me looking at my cell phone, I'm not texting up here. Just looking at the clock, to, I, uh, very time conscious today. I, when I, the, at the end, we have some practical things that I want to share with you. And, and honestly, uh, I don't know why I do this to myself, but I'm, I usually, when I type out my notes, I type them double space, and I've got the timing down. I know exactly how long each page takes. I, I double space part of it and single space part of it, so I have no idea how long this is going to take. So. I told Jeff Lewis he can do this if I get going too long. So, so anyway, let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day. We pray, God, as we open the word together that your glory would be revealed and all of us here would, would confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And that in that confession uh, that, that we have made and will continue to make every day of our lives, that you will strengthen us individually and collectively as a body at KBC. We thank you for where you have brought us, Lord. Uh, we thank you that uh, you have brought Jesse Meekins and his family to us to, uh, for Jesse to shepherd this body. But we want to say before you and together that uh, Jesse is not Jesus, that Jesus is Jesus. And Jesse is not building Jesus' church. Jesus is. And uh, we want, as a body, to follow Jesus together. Help us to do that today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the question that, uh, as Michael read through here, that has really struck me as I've been uh, preparing for today, when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And it has really impacted me. And I'm going to say it probably several times throughout the message today, but I had a very practical way that this played out for me this week. Yesterday morning, uh, and, and also another disclaimer, the person that I'm going to talk about in this story had a perfectly legitimate reason for being absent from the first part of my story. Um, but uh, I was worried at the time. I didn't know what was wrong. But I, I had to work yesterday morning. The other uh, chiropractor that I work with, uh, we alternate Saturdays. So this was my Saturday to work, and I knew I had a very busy day ahead of me. I saw the schedule ahead of time, and... In chiropractic, a, a patient that's already an established patient comes in, and, and their appointment might not take that long. It may take five or ten minutes. <clears throat> but a new patient can take 30 minutes to an hour, and there's lots of paperwork in this day and age that they have like four or five different forms they have to sign. They have an intake form that they have to fill out. You have to make a copy of their uh, driver's license and their insurance cards and all that. All that stuff I don't do. <clears throat> so I got there, and... Our front desk person wasn't there. And I already had two people scheduled as new patients and then two regular patients right as I first got there. So I walk in and she's not there. I'm like, oh my, I wonder where she is. And, and so I waited a few minutes. It got to be 10 after 8. We started at 8 and she still wasn't there. And I thought, hmm, this isn't good. I see people in the parking lot. So I decided, okay, I'm going to open the, the office up. So I went and opened it up and three people came in. Two I recognized, one I didn't, and one was a patient who hadn't been in in a long, long time, who essentially becomes a new patient, not one of the two that are already on my schedule. I'm like, okay, I can do this. Now, normally, you put me in my room with my patient, I can do everything. You put me up behind the desk, bad things can happen. <laughs> so, um, I bring my two patients, my regular patients back, and then 
the other patient, he's already got his insurance cards out and his driver's license out because he had been in the other day and didn't have them and told he had to come back with them. So I take his cards, I give, I, okay, I'll make sure I get all the right forms, you have to sign every form, and so I think I had all the right forms, gave them to him, went to copy his insurance cards, copied the first one, got in the middle of the second one, printer said, you must replace the cartridge to continue printing. I'm like, okay, how am I gonna do this? And so then I walked back to the front desk, I said, my printer is out of, out of uh, uh, the cartridge is out, he, and he points, he goes, well, what about this one? There was another printer at the front desk that I wasn't even thinking about. So anyway, so I, I get all that done. I think I've got everything right. I go see my two regular routine patients, and then I bring him back into the office, and I'm just trying to take it one moment at a time, knowing that there's two more new patients coming in a very short while, and our staff front desk person is still not there. And in the moment of it, I was feeling very stressed, and I was just walking through it, trying to take it one moment at a time, and without my trying to think it, this question popped in my head. Who do you say that I am? I thought, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the King of the universe, and you are King of this moment. And my whole attitude at that moment changed. And I really think about this question, if we took nothing else away from today, if we could take this question in our moments, in our tough moments in the day, in our sad moments, in our happy moments, to say, who do we say Jesus is? And we can answer, he's the Christ, he's the Son of the living God, He's the one who died for us and rose again and is coming again in glory, and we belong to him through faith in him. So just the, the, uh, she did end up showing up and had a perfectly legitimate excuse for not being there, and, and the day went smoother as it went on. So, but anyway, so we are an exciting point at, at Kishwaukee Bible Church. We are excited that Jesse has been brought to us as our next pastor. We believe that he's a, a, extremely gifted and qualified to lead us. And as we go forward in the days ahead, and in any introspection process we did, that, that led to our job description of what we really needed and wanted in a pastor. And, and some of the things that we were looking for were a man of practical faith, a man who leads relationally, a man who develops and empowers, a man who makes disciples and develops leaders, and a man of vision. We believe that Jesus is building the church. We all would agree to that. And we cannot put all the building of KBC on Jesse. And again, we wouldn't think that, oh, we're not going to do that. But subtly we can do that if we're not careful. We believe, as Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And we believe Jesse uh, would say the same thing. And we would want that. And so we are called to follow Jesus together. So... We believe these characteristics that we're looking for in a pastor, we should strive for ourselves. And so this summer series that Jesse kicked off last week is called Following Jesus, dot, dot, dot. And uh, we will be taking one week at a time. Uh, this week and next, I'm going to be talking about following Jesus practically and relationally. And how should Jesus impact my daily life? Even, again, thinking about that question, who do you say that Jesus is? Now, Jesus said that the two greatest commandments are to love God and to love our neighbor, and, and this, in this, the whole love of God is summed up. And we know that we all fall short in that, and that's what the Bible calls sin, but that's why Jesus came, was to forgive us of our sins, to pay the payment for our sins, to restore us. And in, in his prayer in John 17, he clearly states that the same unity and love that exists in the Godhead exists in the church. 
We don't always feel that, but it's true. And we, but we have to strive for that. And you could say that our relationships are vertical and horizontal. They're vertical in that we love God, but they're horizontal that we're called to love each other. And the passion with which we pursue the vertical will overflow in how we pursue our love for each other. So I'm going to have you uh, open up your bulletin insert or take out your bulletin inserts. One of the things that we wanted to um, come with this summer is to be very practical. That was another thing that came across the introspection process. We want more practicality in the sermons and, and whatnot, and, and we want to strive for that. But if you will open your bulletins and take this out, the one that has the cross in, on the front, and open it up, and I'm just going to walk you through what we're going to be going over in the next two weeks. But on the one side, you'll see the cross and four words, word, prayer, speak, and live. And that corresponds to the points on the left side of the page. One with the cross in the center, it's all about Jesus. We're going to talk about to follow Jesus practically and relationally. We must embrace the message and mission of Jesus as our own. We must embrace the gospel message and his mission. The message is the gospel and the mission is the building of the church. And we'll see that in our passage today. And then the second one and, uh, is message and mission mindset. That's going to be from uh, verses 22 and 23 in Matthew 16. And the first me message and mission embrace is verses 13 to 21. Message and mission mindset. We must develop a mindset that's focused on Jesus' message and mission by consistent time in the word and prayer. And that corresponds with word and prayer all connecting into the cross. We come to faith in Jesus, but it, Becoming a Christian is more than just saying a prayer and then going on about our lives. And, and Jesse talked about last week that Jesus is the king who has all the rights. And we as human beings strive all our lives to, to protect our kingdom. And, and we think we have the rights. And Jesus says, no, I have the rights. And, and Jesus came and died in our place to rescue us from that and to rescue from us from the penalty of that sin. But he calls us to follow him. But we need to embrace that message. We need to embrace his mission. And then the third one is, for next week, message and mission movement. And that's going to correspond with live and speak as we spend time with Jesus in his word and prayer, as we spend time contemplating the gospel and the ramifications that it has in our life. It's going to transform us. As Romans 12 says that we are not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I am now in no way an English major, so I apologize for this long sentence. But it's with our mindset shaped by the message and mission of Jesus, through time spent in the word and prayer, we are empowered to participate in the movement, in the church, and the world as we live and speak the message of Jesus to those in our sphere of influence. And then grace, grace, grace. From start to finish, this is a work of God's grace because we start to talk about these things. We can start to think, oh man, I haven't spent time with God this week and we can feel condemned. But the cross is a message of grace. The throne of grace that we're called to is a throne of grace. It's not a, a throne of works. And I think of Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 that says, by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. Verse 10, sometimes we overlook, he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Each of us has a kingdom outpost for Christ. Each of us has a work that God has prepared beforehand. And 
we need to plug in more and more to the message of Christ so that we can develop this love for him and this love for each other. So <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, if we would open to Matthew 16 and just kind of walk through this a little bit together. Matthew 16, verses 13 to 21. Message and mission embrace. And again, we must embrace the message and mission of Jesus as our own. Now, Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? There's that question again. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day, raised. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We're going to see in a few moments that Peter understands a little bit of the message of Christ, a little bit of the mission, but he doesn't get it completely, right? He doesn't understand that this Messiah had to die and rise again. But he did know that Jesus was the promised one, the Christ, the, the Messiah that was promised throughout the Old Testament. And in Psalm 2, uh, he talks about these terms. He talks about the anointed one. He talks about the Son of God. And he also talks about him being the king. Um, and so Peter's mind, the Jewish mind, would have been framed by that. But also in that passage... The father says to the son, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. So there's the mission of the son of God laid out in Psalm 2. And again, in a shadow, and they didn't understand it completely. But Peter confessing Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God, was what was promised in the Old Testament. Jesus goes forward and says, but guess what? I'm going to die. And then I'm going to be rise, raised again from the dead. And this is the part Peter didn't understand yet. And so we understand it in looking back now and understanding the full picture of the gospel. But it's amazing to think about that this king of the universe would come to this world and die in our place. And I, I don't think we can think about that too much. Again, it's not just a matter of one time I'm just going to pray this prayer and yes, I'm saved and now I'm going to go live my own life. This king is worthy of our worship and worthy of our lives. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And John 3, 16, maybe the most widely known verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God 
loves us. Yes, we are sinful people. We pursue our own kingdoms. But God loves us. And through repentance and faith, we enter into this kingdom. In Mark 1.15, Jesus' first message was, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm the king. I'm here. Repent and believe in the gospel. And so as we hear that message, that this king died for us and rose again for us, and we hear that, that we are sinners, and he died in our place, and we turn from going our own way and place our faith and trust in him, we enter into that kingdom. That's the message. The mission, Jesus, and Jesus says to Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, my Father has revealed this to you. And, and so these things cannot be understood just with our natural mind. The Spirit of God has to move sovereignly in our lives and open our minds and hearts to the reality of our sin and to the reality of Christ. So God gets all the glory, it's all of his grace. But he says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the king's keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So Jesus makes two powerful I will statements. I will build and I will give. He says that I will build my church. And there it is again. It's Jesus' church, and we always need to remember that. And he builds it upon the message of the gospel, upon who he is. Building the church can be said of, of bringing them in and building them up. He builds his church. Ephesians 2 says that the church of Jesus Christ is being built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself is the rock, the cornerstone. So the message of the apostles and prophets, it's believed, we put our faith and trust in Christ, we come into the kingdom, and then we're built up, we grow. That's what we call sanctification, or growing in our faith, or growing in maturity. And Jesus said, it's on this message that I will build. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says, the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. So we hear the gospel, we believe it, but it's the gospel that continues to cause us to grow as we meditate upon it, as we read about it, as we pray over it. And then at the end of Romans 6 and 16, he says that the gospel is that which strengthens us, which just uh, affirms that. So we never get away from the gospel. It's not... Uh, point one in the Christian life, it's every point in the Christian life, from start to finish. Now, notice, too, that this is not an easy thing. There is opposition, there is satanic opposition. Jesus says that uh, the gates of hell shall not prevail against me, against my church. It tries, Satan tries to stop us at every moment. Uh, and, and we're going to see that he's going to do that right away with Peter, right after this amazing confession. We have spiritual warfare. It is a struggle for us in our flesh to spend time in the Word at times. It's a struggle for us to live out the gospel at times. We need to recognize that. Jesus is building his church, though, and nothing can stop it. And if we belong to that, nothing can stop us either. 
And then he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Keys signify authority, and they also open doors. About a year ago, we uh, um, adopted our first family dog together, our Lexi, and, and uh, we love her, and she's awesome, and yet, as, as uh, those of you who own dogs, it, it kind of changes a little bit about your routine. If you're going to be gone for a day or two, you have to find somebody to, uh, to uh, look out for your dog, and... and um, we happen to live next to an amazing family, the Hudsons. And Annalise right here is, is a, one of our main dog taker care of her. <laughs> so for Annalise to get into our house, we give her our garage code so she can go into our house and take care of our dog and do whatever he needs. So we give her the key to open the door to go into our kingdom to do our business. And she does an awesome job of it. So... Jesus has given, is saying, I'm giving you the keys to my kingdom. And what are these keys? We could talk a lot. There's a lot of <clears throat> controversy about what are these keys. But when we take it in context, the keys of the kingdom, it's the gospel message. It's the gospel message that opens the door for people to come into faith in Christ. It's the gospel message that causes us not only to be brought in, but then to be built up. As we prayerfully share the word of God together to one another, people are brought in and people are, brought, are, are built up. They're brought in through repentance and faith and they're built up as they prayerfully meditate on that message of Jesus and are transformed by it. So it's important for us to take the time to spend with Jesus so that we can be built up in the faith and, and learn the gospel more and have it flow out through us more and more. I think about our cars, and, and this is maybe a silly illustration, but if you, if you put gas in your car, in the tank, you go around and drive, and you drive for three, 400 miles, park your car in the, in the garage, and if you don't put any more gas in it, and you go to start it one day, it's not going to start. So we can't expect that we spend one time with Jesus and then never spend any more time with him. The gospel is the gas, if you will, that drives us. And without it, we're not going to be able to drive. So uh, the, the will of Jesus is to save souls, to build the church, to bring people in, and to build them up all for his glory. And it's, it's pretty cool that we get to be part of that. It's a pretty neat job description. Former enemies of the God of the universe formerly sought our own kingdoms, and as Jesse I pointed out last week, it all ends in tears because eventually we realize we can't hold on to it. But now, because our king died for us, he's rescued us from sin and death, and now we're not only part of his kingdom, we're helping to spread that kingdom. And here's the keys right here. And the better we know it, the more it flows into us, the better we can share it, the better we can live it out with one another. So who do you say that I am? Jesus said to them. You are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God, you are the one who died for us and rose again. What if you're in a moment where you're just feeling really lost, you're feeling sad, you're feeling broken, you can say, Jesus, you are the one who brings healing. Jesus, you are the one who does not break the bruised reed. You are the one who does not put out the wickering flame. You are the one who encourages and strengthens. 
Are you feeling worn and tired and, and, and just uh, can't take your next step? Jesus said, come to me, all you are, are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. If you have had a horrible week and struggled with sin, you can say, who do you say Jesus is? He's the one that paid for that sin. All the sins, past, present, and future. Are you anxious about what's ahead this week? Maybe something on your schedule you're not sure about? You can say, Jesus, you are the one who said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And so I know that you'll be with me. So we can ask ourselves a question, who do you say that I am? So we need, we move on to our next point, a message and mission mindset. We need to continually infuse this gospel truth in our minds. We must develop this mindset that's focused on Jesus' message and his mission by consistent time in the word and prayer. Matthew 16, 22 and 23, we see the battle that happens here. Peter took him aside. Remember, Jesus had just said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you got it, Peter. That's right. He said, but Peter said, Lord, far, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. You shall not be crucified. You've come as the conquering king. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are setting your mind not on the things of God, but on the things of man. Imagine just having said, had heard Jesus say, My father's revealed this to you. And then two seconds later, he says, Get behind me, Satan. I don't know, that nobody's ever called me Satan, but I think that's a pretty, pretty strong comment that he made. And why did he say that? He said, for, that's the rationale for why Jesus said this, you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And isn't that our problem? As fallen human beings, we set our mind on the things of man. Me, 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 how can I please myself? And again, as Jesse talked about building our own kingdoms, and this goes against our grain to be told, you've got to deny yourself and follow me. But Satan tries to hinder Jesus' mission through Peter, and he tries to hinder his mission through us. He tries to discourage us. He tries to keep us away from the message of the gospel and spending time with him. So the gospel mindset is from God, and the non-gospel mindset is of man, and Satan entices us to go after that. Our natural minds naturally gravitate to self. Even as born-again believers, even as new creatures in Christ, we have a fleshly mindset that opposes this message and opposes us at every step. And Paul says that in Romans 7, that the one who wants, I want to do good, but evil is present. Always, it never leaves us until we get the glory. And we need to recognize that. But in Christ, we're given a new heart and a new mind. But we have to battle this flesh day by day. Again, Paul says, by the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the body. And it's a continual process. We must continually put off the old and put on the new. And the mind is where this battle takes place. What we put into our mind is what will form and shape it. Either it's being transformed by the word of God or it's being conformed to the world. Romans 12, 1 and 2 would tell us that. So we must continually have our mindset reshaped by the message. And the, one of the most encouraging things to me uh, about the disciples is we see their, their, their flaws. We see that they weren't perfect. 
and neither are we. Peter could have stopped right here and said, oh man, I'm a miserable sinner and not gone any farther. But he kept following Jesus. He kept learning from Jesus. And he's going to keep falling and he's going to keep getting up and he's going to keep falling and he's going to keep getting up. Peter here professes Christ. He's commended for it. Then he blunders and is rebuked as allowing Satan to shape his thoughts. Later, Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times. He says, no, I'm not. He says, yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. And he does. And then Peter, or Jesus, restores him in, in love. Three times ask him, do you love me? And then he's the lead preacher at Pentecost, early leader of the church, a rock of the church. And then in Galatians 2, we learn that he has another lapse into legalism, and, and Paul rebuked him because he was pulling away from some of the uh, Gentiles and acting as a hypocrite. And that's our lives. We, we, we live this roller coaster ride, but we keep getting up, and we keep following Christ, and we keep infusing our minds with the gospel and remembering that it's all of grace. And we too, just as the, the disciples learned at the feet of Jesus, we can learn at the feet of Jesus because it's all recorded right here. Spending time with him, opening up this word, is sitting at the feet of Jesus. This morning at the breakfast table, uh, we have our space, spots that most of us sit, and Mackenzie says, I want to sit by Daddy. And Matthew says, I want to sit by Daddy. So they both came over and sat by me, and it just melted my heart. And I think that must melt God's heart. Say, I want to sit by you, Daddy. I want to hear from you. I want to be with you. Um, one of the most defining moments in my Christian life, um, several years ago when I was attending Grace Church at DuPage, we had a men's equippers class. And <clears throat> uh, Rich Kearns, the pastor, was leading it. And one of the, uh, I, I can't remember exactly with everything that with the class, there were 10 different weeks, I think, but the one week that impacted me, that has stayed with me the whole time, was how to have a devotional time with the Lord. And that one thing has stuck with me through the years, and I don't do it perfectly, and it's changed how I do it from time to time, but that encouragement from him to spend time with the Lord has changed my, my Christian life. And so... I want to, and I'm not assuming I, I, that, that you don't spend time with the Lord. I'm sure that you do. But I want to offer some, some suggestions by way of encouragement. If, if you're looking for a fresh way, or maybe you do struggle with it. And again, it's all about grace. Okay? But God wants to spend time with you. He wants to spend time with us. And again, as, as we mentioned, the gospel is the means of our salvation, but it's also the means of our growth. And so we need continual reminders of that. Uh, Peter talks about that. In 1 Peter 1, he says that the word of God, the gospel, he says, is what saves us. The whole word of God is all about Jesus. And then he goes on to say, he, he commands them to say, long desire the pure milk of the word, like a baby does. We don't feed our, our children one time and then expect that to be, get them through to adulthood. It's a continual feeding process. He says, long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow in your salvation. We come in as infants in Christ through the message of the gospel and we grow as we continue to feed on it. 
And so what I would like to do is have you pull out your, your uh, bulletin insert again. And two things that I have on, uh, on the inside thing. One I call a sphere of influence prayer and action chart. And the other side is time with Jesus. And this, again, this is just a suggested way. It's not a legalistic thing. You do this and check it off, and this is the right way to do it. It's just a way for us to sit down with the Lord and have some structure to it. I know myself, if I don't have a structured plan to, to something, I'm not going to sit down and, and do it like I should. So this is one way that you can do that. But I want to start with the sphere of influence prayer and action chart. <clears throat> just beginning to think through. Again, God put us here not just so we could have the gospel and then keep it to ourselves. We are built relationally, right? We're in families we're here together relationally, and each and every one of us has a sphere of influence somewhere out there that God uses us in. And the more time we spend with Christ, the more we're gonna, that the Spirit of God is going to flow in us and through us. And so I thought uh, it would be neat just to kind of begin to think through your sphere of influence. And the first one is family. Your immediate and your extended. For uh, your immediate family is those who you live with. Mine is Dawn and Mackenzie and Matthew. Our extended family is I, I list our relatives on both sides, uh, on the Paul side and the Linson side, um, and then try and think through that. And begin to think through people's names, jot them down somewhere in a journal or something, or uh, even using initials, whatever it is. And, and the more you think about it, the more people you're going to think about. And then the church. Uh, obviously, KBC, our homebody. You know, sometimes I, I, I think the directory is a great place to start, a great uh, thing to pray through, uh, to take a few names a day and just pray, God, would you just bless uh, this family and bless the gospel to, to reign? And, and then, of course, you know specific things, the people that you know, that you hang out with more, that naturally you have a, a relationship with more so, and you may know more what's going on, and you can begin to think and pray for them. Um, the children in our church, I mean, just the different ministries, Sunday school, uh, just writing these out, the Sunday school teachers, all the different ministries that we're involved in, and, and um, uh, praying for us as for leaders. And this is just, just giving you an idea, just to begin to think through it so that we can begin to pray for each other. And then I wrote the church around the world, and this would, could be Christian friends of ours that just go to other churches, we have lots of brothers and sisters in the area, community, in the community and other churches that are just as much a body of the Christ as we are here, and to be aware of them and to be praying for them. And then the world, our, our work world or our school world or wherever we are during the week, begin to think about who do I see during my week? I'm going to write their name down. I'm just going to start off by praying for them. And uh, again, for me, that's uh, my daily, my, my work with my staff, my patients, um, and uh, just all the contacts that we have. And then the community. Think about who you uh, run into throughout your week. Um, for me, that's the people at Starbucks, for one. <laughs> you know, wherever you go, think about them and just jot their names down. And if you don't know their names, just jot down that person at Starbucks. And just, again, start praying for them. You know, maybe that's, the only, maybe that's the only thing you're going to do is to pray for them, and that's good. But praying for God to move their heart and praying that God would open a door for you to continue to share the love of Christ with them 
and for an open door for the gospel. <clears throat> Restaurants that you go to, the mechanic that you go to, the grocery store, the gas station, wherever it is you go in the community, chart it out. Who are the people that I'm in contact with? And then around the world, friends, uh, you know, there's good and bad about Facebook, but one good thing about Facebook, I've reconnected a lot with my friends that I grew up with, and maybe I don't see them that often. Uh, had a high school reunion a couple of years ago that we went to, and, but some that I'm more connected with than others, and there's a connection there. Uh, and sometimes we think, yeah, but that's a virtual connection. No, it's really not. I mean, if you think about it, the letters of the Scripture as they were written were virtual in a sense because Paul wasn't with them, but he wrote to them and took a message to them. So getting on Facebook and sending somebody an encouragement or a gospel message it can be very effective. But just maybe praying for countries that, God, would you lay some countries on my heart to pray for? Um, you know, and just thinking through the context that you have throughout the world um, and begin to pray and pray that, that God would move and the gospel would advance and that the kingdom of Christ would continue to spread. <clears throat> and as we do that, we're actually, in a sense, hastening the coming of Christ because he talked about in Matthew 22, I believe it is. I want to make sure I don't misquote it. But um, Well, he says that the gospel, this gospel will be preached in all the nations, and then the end will come. So the gospel's got to go out to the nations, and we get to be part of that and taking the gospel to that. So that's kind of a good start, and I start with that because that sphere of influence chart is going to flow over into my time that I spend with the Lord. And so if you look at the other side, the time with Jesus, and keeping in mind our relationship with God is vertical and horizontal, and so my vertical time with God is going to affect my horizontal time with all of you and everybody in my sphere of influence. So <clears throat> the first thing I have written here, and, and if you're a journaling person, you can journal this. Uh, I usually write this out, C1, C2, C3. Um, circumstances. What is on your mind or your heart that morning or that day? Whatever time. Uh, the time of day isn't important, but it's time that we make with Jesus. What's on your mind and heart? Maybe you know you've been having a wrong attitude or a wrong action, or maybe there's a sin that you're struggling with. Maybe there's something you're concerned about. There's a doctor's appointment coming up. Any anxieties, any pain, any sorrow that you have, just bringing it before the Lord. I think of Psalm 62.8, I think it is. It says, pour out your heart to him. God is a refuge for us. He wants to hear from us. And then that can involve taking circumstances and people from my sphere of influence in here and say, hey, I know this person's got this going on or they're struggling with this or I'm struggling with this with them, Lord. I have a relational issue with them. I need to pray about that. And then the communication part is, is the word, and continuing to pray and opening up God's word. God communicates with us to, through two primary means, the word of God and prayer. And this is how we talk. Just like now we talk to one another, we use words. God uses words these words. In 2 Timothy 3, he says that all Scripture is inspired. It is God-breathed. So when you open this book, it's the very breath of God flushing over your soul. So in communication, there's, there's no perfect way to do this. You could just read a passage. I, 
I like to take a book at a time, we'll say the Gospel of John, and then most Bibles are broken up into paragraphs and just say, I'm just going to read verses 1 to 18 today. Or, and I'm just going to read through it, and you could just say, what's one thing that stands out to you? What's one verse that really speaks to your heart that day? And jot it down or, or go with that. Or you might ask questions of the passage. You might try and sum it up. What is it talking about? Or what does it say about God? What does it say about the people in the book? And what does it say about me? How am I like the people here? And then you begin to allow the word to flood into you, and you go back to these circumstances and these attitudes, and you say, oh, I see that uh, Peter struggled a lot with trusting the Lord, and I've been doing that, and you know, whatever it might be. And you begin to allow the word of God to come in and transform your thinking. If we don't allow the word of God to transform our thinking, we're left to ourselves and our own mindset, and it's not going to go good for us or those around us. But as the word of God floods us in, and floods in and transforms our mind, Christ is magnified. I think of 2 Corinthians 3 talks about we are being transformed into the same image, into the image of Christ. Um, and it's happening on, on this ongoing basis, and it's from the Lord. The Lord is the one that does this, and this is how he does it. Thinking of this question, who do you say that I am? Well, this is who tells, what tells us who Jesus is. I'm feeling lonely. Well, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Jesus, you are my shepherd. Jesus, I'm feeling these non-content feelings. I'm wishing this situation was different, but you said you are my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't need anything else. I don't need for this situation to be perfected because I have you and you are perfection. So it begins to transform us. And then the last thing is the Christ-centered response. As we're praying, it may just be, I just, you just may thank the Lord and praise him for, for, for what you're seeing. Or you may just uh, sing, if there's no one else in the house that would object. Um, or sing it anyway. <clears throat> you may, through that, begin to pray more, be led to pray more for the people that you've been thinking about. You may think, I'm going to go to that person and I'm going to make things right. I'm going to be open to share the word of God with this person. I had a really neat opportunity yesterday, I don't think I shared this with Dawn, but I had a patient in and he started talking about the wind and I, I, I try and pray for my patients every day and, and, and I, I have quite a bit of freedom as far as uh, treating them, and but able to also to share and pray with them as, as God leads. And, and this one patient said, um, he started talking about the wind. He says, you know, the wind is so funny. He was talking about a conversation he had with the Father. The wind is so funny. You, you don't see it, you know, and, and, uh, but it's there. And I said, you know, that's really interesting you should say that because there's a conversation in the Scripture that talks about the wind. And so I just said, Jesus said to a religious leader at the time that the wind blows where it wishes. You can't see it. But that's how people who are born in the kingdom are. You can't see it, but God does a work. And it was, I was totally caught off guard, and my first thought was, do I say something? <laughs> you know, but I just, I thought, no, I'm going to say that. And it was just natural in the conversation. So I didn't have to ram anything down his throat. It was just a, a natural conversation that God opened up. 
And um, so I say that not to say, look what I did. I say it to say this, this is what can happen just as we spend time praying and, and then God can open these doors for us. And we all have those people in our lives that God wants to use us in that. Okay. Well, I hope that's been an encouragement. And again, grace, grace, grace. Don't come away feeling guilty or feel like, man, I, I haven't done that or, or whatever. Or I have done that and I'm happy with the way I'm doing it, that's fine. But this is just some suggestions um, of how to spend time with the Lord. But I will say this, we must spend time with the Lord. There is no shortcut. If we want to grow in following Jesus, we must uh, take the time to spend with him. So let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for the power of your word. The gospel is the power of salvation for everyone who believes. This is no ordinary book, and you are no ordinary God. And you have spoken into the world just as you created the world through speaking. You recreate us in the image of Christ through the word of God, the gospel. And Lord, we all fall short. We are just like Peter. We have our ups and downs. Our life as Christians is much like a roller coaster, God. But we long for you, and we want you to be king of every moment of our lives. Would you please accomplish that in our midst, in us individually, in this room, and collectively as a body? Would you help us to walk with Jesus, to embrace his message and mission as our own, and to embrace a message and mission mindset and to pursue Christ in, in greater ways than we have in the past and all along that we continue to fall upon the grace of Christ, the mercy of Christ. We thank you, God, for your love for us. Thank you that we can do nothing to add to your love and we can do nothing to take away from your love. So whether we spend one minute in your word this week or a hundred minutes in your word this week, it's not going to change how much you love us. But we want to just say, I want to sit with Daddy. Would you put that longing in our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about our church, please visit our church's website at kishbible.org. That's K-I-S-H Bible dot O-R-G.